How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 196 of X Last, where uh, we are officially in the home stretch to the milestone 200th episode. Uh, if I am not hit by a truck, bus, and/or lightning, <laughs> the, it should be coming out at the end of this week. So, uh, yeah, we're in that uh, episode 200 corridor. It's pretty wild. Now today. Speaking of wild, we have an issue of X-Force to talk about. This is X-Force, Volume 6, Number 19, which had a June 2021 cover date. Story's called Dead of Nightmare, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Gary Brown. Colors, Guru EFX, letters VCs Joe Caramagna, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman. Edits, Amaro Basso, White Sobolski, cover price 4 bucks, and this one on sale April 21 of 2021. And we open at the Summer House on the Moon where Scott and Jean are in bed together. Must be Scott's night. Uh, it's weird that he'd be wasting it sleeping. Um, now, Jean can't fall asleep, and she keeps dwelling on something she saw earlier, which I feel like it's been forever since we covered an issue of X-Force here, so I don't remember for the life of me um, if this is something we actually witnessed in the past couple of issues here. I think we can probably assume this has something to do with Quentin Quire. It's worth noting Scott's wearing what looks like a ruby quartz sleep mask, which I think is really, really cool. Just then, Quentin's cuckoo calls out to Jean for some psychic assistance. Now, this is something I do remember. At the end of last issue, Quentin was astral planning, or whatever, in the uh, Xeno lab, and uh, kind of got attacked and kind of got stuck there. So, how about we go there ourselves? Well, first, let's do the double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred here. We got some characters to focus on. We got Black Tom, Sage, Jean Grey, Kid Omega, Phoebe, Cuckoo, and Domino. All right, back to comics, and we are back to Quentin's quest. Now, he's walking among the fluid-filled containers at Xeno, and the nightmare version of himself appears to be hot on his trail. Now, the gimmick here, as far as I can tell, is that Quentin, Quentin seems to understand that the evil doppelganger was a creation of Zeno. But he's still kind of projecting everything that he hates about himself onto it. Kind of makes, makes sense, right? Well, he gets slashed by the baddie and tries to manifest some weaponry to fight back, only he can't seem to get anything to keep its form. So he'll make like a giant gun, like a big life Feldian Mark 69 gun, and it'll like melt in his hands, you know? So he's just not in the right headspace for this fight. And he worries that he's maybe sabotaging himself, which, I mean, that's fairly introspective for a character like Quentin. Now he runs past more canisters. One of them has all the cuckoos in it, and they're mocking him for being scared of himself. Others have bits and pieces of X-Men in them. Nightcrawler's tail, Beast's arm, Professor X and Cyclops' heads, and they're all commenting on how many times Quentin's died. When will it ever be enough for Quentin to keep dying? 
So QQ continues to run until he happens upon an open door. And Jean Grey is there with her hand extended. Now Quentin stops, and he wonders, like, you know, he was sure that all the things that he's seeing here, despite the fact that it was haunting him so much, he was sure a lot of that was mind tricks, right? Just his own mind projecting these, you know, his own fears, his insecurities, and kind of giving them astral plane flesh in the cuckoos and, and some of the folks on the island. So he's wondering, stands to reason that he'd wonder, is this the real Jean Grey, or is this a real Jean Grey? Now, Gene tells him to cast his doubts aside and just trust her, and so he does. And right away, we pop back to reality with Quentin coming to atop the sunset cliffs. Now, worth noting, he's got a major gash on his back from his astral plane experience when, you know, the evil version swiped at him. But the good news is he thinks he knows the real-world location of his evil version. He manifests a jetpack and grabs Phoebe in his arms and then tells Gene that, uh, well, I know you're not in the X-Force game anymore, but whether you like it or not, eh, you're going to have to help us out because Beast is dead and X-Force needs an interim leader. Now, we saw Beast die, I believe, last issue here. He was fighting off the evil Quentin and wound up putting himself into a stroke. And since his mind was uh, monopolized, I guess, or uh, in jeopardy, uh, he and Sage had an unspoken truce or an unspoken to us sort of agreement where... Uh, if one of them was ever in an adult uh, way, uh, the other one would kill them. So that's exactly what happened last issue. Sage killed Beast. I think it was his first ever death, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of underwhelming for such a thing. But, I mean, these are the times we're living in now. Anyway, Jean doesn't argue with the fact that, you know, she's going to have to be in charge here. And she even goes as far as to comment on how mature Quentin sounds compared to before. Now, he assures her that he can start getting nasty again if she'd prefer it, and Phoebe tells Jean that Quentin's just trying something new right now, and eh, he probably needs all the support he can get, so let's just, uh, let's just let him be a kinder, gentler Quentin choir. A little later, we're at the point where uh, the trio are filling in Sage on some of what Quentin learned during his astral planing. Now, he noticed that there were Type K outlets at the lab, which are unique to Denmark, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands. Hey, the Faroe Islands. I remember we we cared about them for a minute. Now, Type Ks, if you're not aware, are those, like, adorable-looking sockets that look like a winking face. You know, it's those. Uh, It's worth noting that there are several other countries that use Type Ks, but we'll just not worry about that right now. Quentin also was able to uh, notice that there were 60 gallons of formaldehyde that had been freshly shipped to this location, wherever it is. And so Sage does some collation here, and she matches this information to uh, a drop that was made in Nuuk, or Nuuk, N-U-U-K, the capital of Greenland, uh, specifically to a whale-flensing warehouse, basically where the blubber is taken from the bod, right? A butchery, which seems very much on brand for Zeno. Now, Sage learns that this factory was recently bought with cryptocurrency, and uh, I wonder if it was sold on the dark web, man. We know Percy loves his dark web. Uh, and the electric bill for this place is uh, 156,000 krone a month, which is just shy of 19,000 American dollars. We don't know the size of this place, we don't know the scope of this place, so that might not be quite the mind-blowing amount for electricity, as uh, we might be led to believe here. But we see a number like 156,000, that seems like a lot, so we'll let them have it. From here, we go to an info page, and it's another few paragraphs with a Russian signature at the bottom. Whoever this is is talking about Colossus painting again and actually selling his paintings. 
And I mean, we've been getting these cryptic pages Like on and off for like 10 issues now Can we just get on with it? I mean, it wasn't interesting the first time And it's still not Back to comics Jean brings Quentin to a mental tide pool That they had built for occasions such as this She mentions that they tried contacting the rest of X-Force to assist uh, Domino's on her way But Black Tom and Wolverine didn't respond Quentin wants to learn how to fight with his mind You know, he talks about a time when he was a kid Where there was someone bullying him And he, like, imagined this kid getting beaten up And then the next day the kid came in With, like, a missing tooth and a bloody nose And a, and a you know, bruised eye or something So he wants to learn how to harness that sort of thing here How to fight with his mind Gene uh, says that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have helped the old Quentin with this But eh, this kinder, gentler one uh, This more mature one, maybe Maybe I'll consider it now, Quentin Quire takes his glasses off and cracks them, symbolizing something, I guess. Uh, now, we do know that his glasses were basically just a fashion accessory at this point, because the five had given him perfect vision, like he'd requested in one of his, uh, you know, when-you-wake-me sort of notes there. He then manifests a pair of pink glasses that hover over his nose, so... I don't know. Uh, then, Phoebe and Quentin climb into the pool where the salt water content allows them to float, so... Bingo bango, they're on the astral plane here It's kind of like a uh, sensory deprivation sort of experience here from, from, you know, that's what I'm seeing anyway So they're there with Gene And Gene describes this as a hidden hallway that connects to an unguessable number of rooms A proverbial mental mansion And she talks about how the doors to the rooms are more easily accessed when the mind is vulnerable She tells them that they have access to a complete psychic arsenal, and Quentin, of course, chooses a chainsaw. Phoebe takes an EP, or a fencing foil. Then we go to an info page. And you know how Ben Percy will sometimes just cram whole scenes of dialogue into an info page rather than, you know, us just getting actual comic book pages? Yeah, it's more of that. It's Gene, Quentin, and uh, Phoebe talking. It's just, it looks like a script. I hate these. Anyway, later we're at Nuke Greenland, uh, and Gene and Domino are there. And you remember all that talk we've done about Domino being resurrected without her trauma? I mean, it's been one of the uh, one of the evergreen topics on this program. I mean, and it's also, at least to us, a major plot point, right? In the whole resurrection protocol, uh, you know, Michigas, right? Well, here Domino confirms that she knows her memories were edited. But somehow still remembers being in Zeno's lab Don't know how that can be Uh, Jean realizes that this will likely irritate the readers And so she attempts to lampshade the entire thing By suggesting that uh, maybe it was just the anger that remained And uh, Domino's like, yeah, sure, why not Uh, Then she vows to go all mystique and burn the place to the ground We go over to the astral plane Where Quentin and Phoebe are walking through that hallway And they come upon a door with an omega symbol crudely scrawled on it Now, he opens the door, and they both fall in, and we see them dangling from the door over just nothingness. Back at the point, we see Black Tom emerging from some foliage, and his eyes are just blood red. He enters the, uh, you know, the sensory deprivation pool and goes to yank Phoebe out of the drink. Sage is there, and she kicks him in the mush, but the damage has been done. Phoebe's, you know, uh, psyche has been severed from the astral plane She's vanished from the plane, so Quentin is all by his lonesome And he is then nabbed by his evil version Now at the same time, Domino and Jean have already infiltrated the factory And they find Quentin Quire Maybe the one that Mikhail Rasputin delivered to Zeno back before X of Swords Attached to some machinery and tubes and whatnot 
Now, Quentin is still doing battle on the astral plane. He tells his dark version that uh, he's already killed his worst parts, and so this will be more symbolic than anything. He then manifests a gun and blows the doppel's brains out, which kills the version at the Xeno Lab, and that's where we leave it. Next episode, the second, third to last issue of uh, Cable, Cable number 10. But that's for next time. Now let's talk about... uh, I, th- I think this is an ending of this arc. I mean, it's going to have to be the ending of the arc because we're going into Hellfire Gala. And I, I would like to thank uh, Ben Percy for not mentioning the Hellfire Gala like 500 times during this issue, like most of the other books in this line are doing, because, boy, am I tired of that. Um, now, looks like we're wrapping this thing up here, which isn't entirely good and also isn't entirely bad. And you know, I'm happy that it's behind us, at least this bit of it, because... This Xeno stuff has been very boring to me. Um, The bad part is, we still don't know much about Xeno. They've been the uh, thorns in the side of this book since day one. And here we are, you know, we're about to enter the 20s here, and we still don't know a whole lot about them. They still haven't had, like, a big confrontation just yet, so this is just something that's going to continue rolling on here. And, uh, boy, uh, they're really taking the time with this one. My main takeaway here is something that we actually theorized as we were reading uh, this little arc. And that was the question of whether or not there was more than one uh, legit physical Quentin Quires on this Earth uh, since before X of Swords. And it sure seems like there were, huh? I mean, the one that we found in the Xeno Lab here, or the factory in, uh, in Nuke, it looks like it was alive until the end of this issue. So it would seem as though we had ourselves a dupe. And uh, I think uh, it's been a long time since we started this little arc, uh, but one of the things that I think I theorized was that uh, Quentin was so... um, He was uh, so unprotective of uh, his life and his vitality because maybe he knew there was another version of himself out there. Like, and he was not the true version? Because we saw him die in a number of silly ways when this arc opened, you know. I think he was, like, run over by, like, a steamroller, right? And he was, like, eaten by a cow or a shark or something. Something silly like that. So we see all these way, way silly ways for Quentin to die. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about was, like, hey, you know, maybe he knows that he's not the genuine article. And, in fact, it looks like maybe he wasn't. I mean, he is now, I guess. But, uh... It takes us back to the concept of uh, discontinuity, because if we had two Quentins running around, or not running around, but existing, because one was tied up to a machine with tubes, but those are experiences, right? That Quentin, I guess we could, we couldn't call him Quentin Prime because he's probably, you know, the hundredth version of Quentin that we've had, but he's more prime than the one that's been running around hanging out with Phoebe, right? Because he was there first. So he has all these memories. He has all these experiences of being tortured and tied up and just beaten and dragged. And our current Quentin doesn't have any of that. So, I mean, and, you know, he shouldn't want any of that. But it just speaks to the greater issue of the discontinuity between um, between previous versions and current versions and probably future versions as well. It's a, it's a hole in the resurrection protocol um, protocol. You know, that we're supposed to be getting the characters as close to what they what they should be each time out due to the backups and stuff. I, I really, you know, it's I, I'm thinking more about it here, and it's like, 
if there were two, wouldn't Cerebro pick up on that? I don't know. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. Maybe I'm missing something that's completely obvious. I really don't know. Um, Let's go over to Domino. Now, Domino, her memory is kind of a mess as well. And this speaks to more of that discontinuity, but in in a different sort of way, because hers is more uh, deliberate. She knows that her that her memories were edited, despite the fact that she asked for them not to be. No one's told her, hey, by the way, you said you didn't want them altered, and here they are. You'd figure if that were the case, Domino would, uh, she'd have some questions. And she hasn't, which, you know, if, if I can let my head cannon run wild here for a bit, I wonder if that's a way of keeping her more pliable to the Krakoan cause here, keeping her just in line. You know, she's going to be a good soldier. We don't have to worry about her trauma. We don't have to worry about her asking questions. She's just there to be a boot on the ground with a nasty, you know, bio gun on her hand and her bio claw thing on her hand. And if she dies, she dies. If she lives, she lives. But uh, she's always going to be doing what Xavier needs her to do. It seemed kind of... uh, Kind of wonky, where, you know, she remembers being in this place, despite the fact that that was all taken from her. Now, I mean, that can go a few different ways here. Does that mean that the the memory removal or the, you know, just any sort of personality trait experience removal from a, uh, from a hatchling, is there anything residual there? Is it an imperfect sort of a thing? Like, the omission, is it... Because the way we thought about it before, at least I did, was that, okay, well, we have the five, they do what they do. Xavier tells them, hey, I, we don't want that trauma, so they, you know, bingo, bango, the trauma's gone. Or they dial back to an older version of Cerebro here. We don't know how many backups we have. I mean, I back up my blog, like, twice a month, you know, and I keep everything. So I've got a folder with, like, every two weeks, there's a new, you know, XML file with my entire blog on it. Do they do that with the uh, with the Krakoan brains here, the mutant brains? Uh, like, did Xavier just decide, okay, well, we're going to dial back to about six months ago, and then we'll, we'll bring that domino back. I, I don't know if that's the case here. If it is, well, then there's something definitely wrong here, because she remembers being in this place, and she remembers being very angry about that. So, I don't know, I feel, it's it's one of those feelings like we're building the house on the swampland again. Like, the foundation is just kind of in pieces, floating around, not really stable. We're really uh, taking liberties with this stuff here, and I don't know, I really don't know. But uh, those are my main story takeaways here. I can't let this issue go without mentioning the art. This isn't Joshua Kassar. Um, it's not terrible. Uh, it's just uh, a little rough. Um, it's a little rough. Uh, it looks almost evocative of like an underground style um, in the way that the faces are drawn. It uh, doesn't fit the story. Uh, the monster looks great. The Quentin monster looks uh, really cool. The The scenery looks great. It's just um, the faces of our main cast. It's... Yeah, not for me. Not not something I, I really appreciated. But uh, overall, I mean, we're through this story. We're getting into the Hellfire Gala. Don't know what we're doing out the other end of the Hellfire Gala, but uh, I suppose we'll figure that out in a few months. So that's all I got to say about this issue. 
But before we go, let's hop into the mailbag here. We got a couple of letters here. First, one from our friend Jesse, who's talking about, well, uh, our favorite book of the last little while, Way of X number one. He says, hey, Chris, I'm noticing that the books I like the most are the books that are digging into the lore and laws of Krakoa, Hellions, New Mutants, X-Factor, and now Way of X. I had my doubts about this book at first, but when I sat down and read it throughout the day, I loved it. Finally, Kurt is a character who does not seem to be under the influence of whatever is going on. He wants to dig in for the deeper questions. Here's someone next to Havoc and Scout who seems to worry about death. I really did not like Pixie's death, and I think we're meant to feel like that. Like death is something to not be concerned about, but it's still a horrible thing. I also like how Kurt still worships the god he did before Hoxpox. So many other characters seem to have forgotten their religious backgrounds in this era, and I like to see that Nightcrawler is not, even after his own resurrection. I have to go back to the end of the Rosenberg run to reread Blindfold's revelation to see if it works with these new times. And yeah, I was considering doing that myself, checking out the, uh, the Blindfold bit there, because, I mean, it feels like this is really paying tribute to... Like a lot of different X-Men things here I mean, you mentioned it here Kurt still has his same faith Which is a callback to the pre-Hoxpox era One of the few things that we're actually kind of bringing forward with us here And it's also doing a great service to all the weirdness that's going on post-Hoxpox It's really, really a wonderful book Um, And it takes me back to our first discussions of The Crucible Where like, we started to question things like, um, you know Death is not a big deal now, but death still sucks, right? I mean, this is something that someone will still have to experience. They will experience the lights going out, right? I don't know how you wrap your head around that and just be like, oh yeah, you're just a, you're not a, you're not a death virgin anymore. It seems very, very bizarre, and I'm glad that we're finally addressing it here. Jesse continues, Way of X has made its way to the top of my read pile each month. X or ten stars. I have not listened to your review on this book just yet, but I have it in my queue for the next time I get to listen. One more thing. I am so sick of hearing about the gala and about Jumbo Carnation that I've lost all interest in the Hellfire Gala. Being a mind-washed zombie, I'll still be reading it, but I just want to puke every time someone mentions it's in the books. I'm so glad that Way of X didn't say a thing. Yes, um... I feel like every time I see... I've said this before. It's like a broken record now for me. Every time someone mentions the gala, I am less excited for the gala. And when they first announced it, I was very excited for it. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to be, you know, the next big story. I mean, it is going to be the next big story, but we just don't need to take like a two-page break from every single one of these issues where, oh, Jumbo Carnation has his, uh, you know, has his measuring tape up to, you know, Cyclops' arm or or Cable's inseam. I, I don't need to see that. We, it, What was it? It was Sword, the, uh, the a few episodes back where Fabian Cortez is, is, you know, pleading his case like he's been given the floor to do, and Storm's sitting there going, don't we have a gala to prepare for? It's like, shut up. <laughs> Please just stop. I'm... I'm still looking forward to to uh, to seeing what the gala is all about. Uh, a few of those issues look like they're going to be a lot of fun, and I'm also mostly looking forward to getting past the gala so we can get into whatever the next stage of this story is going to be, and we can get our new team of X Men and maybe maybe feel like we're hitting the ground running at some point uh, during during this run, which is uh, not something that we're seeing very often, unfortunately. But Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that wonderful and challenging Way of X book. And I hope 
when you do get around to listening to the episode, you enjoy my take on it as well. Next, our friend Evan wrote in with some last annihilation questions here. Uh, He says, In a development I'm sure you'll be thrilled about, Guardians of the Galaxy is crossing over with S.W.O.R.D. Marvel announced today that Guardians of the Galaxy number 15 will include the Guardians' quote, tense showdown with Magneto, and includes, quote, an ending no one will see coming to set up The Last Annihilation, which I believe Old Man Cable is involved in. The promo art released includes Nova punching the helmet off Magneto, which is no way to treat Wolverine's toilet. I, I, I had to include it just for that last line there, because, uh, yeah, Wolverine peed in it, didn't he? Yeah. <clears throat> But yes, we will be covering, for better or for worse, we will be covering all of the Last Annihilation stuff, uh, at least the stuff that the Sword or Krakoan characters figure prominently in. If there are things that aren't, I'll probably still grab them. I have everything added to my DCBS order, just in case. Um, but if they're not something... If if the contribution to the X quarter isn't... Uh, isn't sizable enough. We'll just mention those in passing, and we will dig into the to the larger ones. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number fifteen will be an episode that's already uh, scheduled on the uh, on the docket. Uh, whatever sword issues tie into it, and of course, uh, Cable uh, Reloaded will uh, will be something we will talk about. But thank you so much for that, Evan, and thank you for the uh, for the chuckle there about uh, Wolverine's toilet. <laughs> thank you so much. Now, one more thing before we go. This is a Monday episode, so let's look at the This Week in Marvel Unlimited and on store shelves. So Marvel Unlimited gives you four books, four books that uh, we have covered on the show. We got New Mutants number 16, which we covered in episode 169. Wolverine number 10, which we covered in episode 170. X-Men number 18, the first part of The Vault, which we covered in episode 171. And Marvel Voices Legacy Number 1, which we just recently covered in episode 192. So there's a foursome of books here that uh, that have episodes attached to them. Uh, let's jump ahead a couple days to what's going to be on shelves here. And I don't have episode numbers for these because I don't know the order in which the Hellfire Gala is supposed to be read, if there is any sort of order. So if anybody listening is buying these in real time, like going to the shop on Wednesday... If you wouldn't mind snapping a picture of the, you know, uh, coming soon page for me so I can figure out how to order these things, I would greatly appreciate it. So the books on shelves, we've got Hellions number 12, Marauders number 21, and X-Force number 20. All three are part of the Hellfire Gala. We do have a second printing of Way of X number 1, which is weird because every comic shop I'm in has about 30 copies of it. I don't know. I'm not going to argue. The more copies of Way of X number one we can get on shelves, the better, I suppose. Finally, for those of you who have uh, 150 or so bucks burning a hole in your pocket, there's a new printing of the Age of Apocalypse Omnibus coming out this Wednesday. And if you'd like to uh, have a couple of guys read along with you, you could check out Cosmic Treadmill episodes 100 through 105. It's something like... Ten hours of Age of Apocalypse that uh, me and Reggie did uh, back probably 2018 or so. So if you'd like to have a tour guide through that, we cover every single book. It's a, it's a long one, but uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. And we I'm pretty sure we gave bios to everybody who showed up on panel, kind of like we did with Crisis on Infinite Earths. So it was a good time. And uh, hey, if you buy the book or if you've just got the books handy and you want to have a... You want to have some voices in your head as you go through it? I think there, there are probably far worse ways to go about that, right? 
But that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, if you'd like to reach out and get a hold of me, I would uh, love for you to do so. You can find me a few different ways. On Twitter, I'm at Ace Comics. On Instagram, 90sXmen. Or you could shoot an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You could also call into the brand new X-Lapsed voicemail box. That's 623-396-5375 or 623-396-JERK. Which, uh, as I mentioned in a previous episode, that's more, uh, you know, the Professor Xavier is a uh, and uh, nothing, nothing off-color. Uh, 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 it's the best I could do That was X-Men related I, I'm sorry <laughs> I was trying to find something that could fit Found Jerk and just pictured that Kitty Pride, uh, That Kitty Pride panel And uh, decided to go with it So yes, 623-396-JERK You can find blog posts and show notes Over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com You can join us on the Facebook group Our little group is 90s X-Men Pretty easy to find and finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic commentary needs, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. You'll be able to find the uh, Age of Apocalypse series there if you're uh, so inclined there. Uh, and if you like what you hear over there, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, I would love for you to spread the word, share the show, tell a friend or two, and all that good stuff. It would really, really mean the world to me. Speaking of which, it means so much to me that you'd spend a little bit of your day with me today. So thank you all so, so much. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.